We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 uh, this morning. We're going to read out of chapter 1 into chapter 2. Uh, Christmas needs. A couple weeks ago we talked about our Christmas needs list. If you were here or if you weren't here and you missed, the idea is simply this. Our needs list is extensive. It's life or death and it has eternal implications. It has eternal consequences with what you and I need for Christmas. Right? It's not flipping through, looking for the glitteriest, shiniest, nicest toy, nicest thing, new car. Like, how silly are the commercials on TV where, like, the spouse buys a car for the spouse? Like, what world are these people living in? Right? Like, listen, I have bought you a car. Oh, yeah, and expect the bill, right, in about four to six weeks, baby. I got it signed up to where it's coming late, right? We're going we're gonna to knock the newness off and the smell off before we even get the first bill. But there's going to be 72 of them to follow, and they're hefty, right? Like, what, what life is this, right? The one with the guy that gets her a dog. And of the two, I'm more worried about the commitment the dog takes now in my life. I'm like, nope, nope, not doing that. Too much poop, too much fur, too much need in and out, whining, crying. Give me the truck and the payment, right? But you and I, have, you have a needs list. Like you, and, and if you've spent any time thinking about real life and becoming a real adult, and loving real people, and interacting with other people in your community, in your church, in your home, you figured it out. Like, your, your needs list is extensive. God, I cannot do what it is you're requiring me to do. Number one, to earn salvation. Like, to be with you and to actually earn it, I can't do that. My failures are consistent, deep, and frustrating. I frustrate myself, much less the holy God of the universe. Right? Our world is broken. You and I are living in the midst of it. Our communities are broken. You and I have, have dealt with on repeat, okay? Uh, all these things that, that life is just kicking to us, and it's, it's, that's our Christmas needs list. God, I want these things to be put right. God, I want, I want to wake up in the morning at peace, at peace with you, at peace with myself, peace in my home. That's what I want. I want to flip on the news and see peace and joy and people having a good time, and people loving on one another. Like, that's, that's what we're yearning for. That's what we're longing for. And that's the Christmas list that God provides. That's the list that he's going to answer. That's the list that he is bringing to uh, you and I. In a world filled with chaos, right? You and I are just living in it, and we are just begging for peace within and without. And friends, I will remind you one more time, your greatest need is peace within your exterior circumstances have far less to do with our blessings in life and how we navigate this world. They have far less to do with what's going on outside of us than what's going on within us. Never forget, because as soon as you and I do, we become a Pharisee. You're always looking around hoping to fix somebody else's problem. If this, if this thing would just be solved, my life would be better. Nope, you've got to start with the heart. You've got to start with you. I've got to start with me. And then if I'm better, my circumstances may not change, but I'm still better. It's of utmost important you and I see them in the right way. Christmas seeds, a couple weeks ago, what did we talk about? From Genesis to Malachi, God is putting in these seeds that are going to bear fruit in the birth of Jesus. Every detail. You go in, you start looking. There was a mathematician named Peter Stoner in the 70s. He took eight... It was either six or eight prophecies of the Old Testament. And he, he, in order for them to be fulfilled at random by one individual, okay? I wrote it out on the whiteboard one time for the teens. And we wrote for like a minute and a half before I finished all the zeros. It was like one times 10 to 157 zeros. 
a power of 157, okay? What that looks like was, in order for one person to randomly fulfill just eight prophecies, where he was born, how he was born, just eight prophecies, in order for that to happen, would be like filling the state of Texas with silver dollars, marking one, blindfolding someone, letting them walk as, mo- as far as they wanted for as long as they wanted, and have them bend down and pick up the one silver dollar. And I forgot to mention, it's two foot deep. That's the same odds. So when you and I are talking about the Christmas story and we start in Genesis, the point is to make your hair stand up a little bit. Because we're going to talk about it again today. It is the greatest moment of showing off God has ever done. It's like the Lord just heavenly belly laughs. I told you so. And that makes me chuckle just thinking about it. I told you it was going to happen. I told you it was going to happen like this. And watch, it does. Boom, detail, boom, detail, boom, detail. Bethlehem, Egypt. Why is a person born in Bethlehem going to eventually come out of Egypt? Oh, we're going to see that story today. Because he's in the details. And I want you to wake up and just think, my goodness, Lord, you have left too many breadcrumbs for this to be an accident. Too much has been laid out for me to look at this and say, coincidence. Not a big deal. Luke chapter 2, we read through last week, we talked about the prince and his prophet, right? John and Jesus. John the Baptist and Jesus, the story of their birth. Both are miraculous. One is old and as good as dead. And now she's with child. And then God appears to Mary. And then the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and he tells her what's going to happen. Who is the first person to acknowledge the Savior? The Messiah. Baby in womb. John the Baptist, the one filled with the Holy Spirit, couldn't even be in the presence of Jesus without shouting for joy. Can you imagine what that, what that flip was like in her womb? Right? And Elizabeth looks and says, man, just the blessing of blessings, the mother of my Lord has come here, and now the baby in my womb cannot even control himself. He is celebrating the Messiah, the wild man, and the God man. Right? So where we've been, where are we going to be today? We're in another Christmas read today. Matthew chapter 1 is where we will be starting. I've got to pull up the right set of notes real quick. Cannot navigate a cell phone. So I never worry about getting a new one because I don't even know how to function with the old one yet. All right, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, you and I will be reading together. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. This morning as we go through this, okay, I want to give you the thought up front and I want you to marinate in it the whole time we go, all right? The thought is simply this, Christmas is very earthy what if the lord on purpose was putting you in a predicament what if he was putting you in a bind because what you and i see in this whole passage the delivery of the messiah into the world came somebody's in a bind somebody's in a bind somebody's in a bind somebody's in a bind messiah 
So what is the Lord trying to teach us in that? Is that even the greatest story ever told is told with earthly tones. This is real life. I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, he could have been delivered. It could have been like the reverse Elijah. He could have been delivered in on a chariot of fire and dropped off right, like some kind of cosmic stork. Right? Instead, what happens in the story? Well, the very first person we're talking about is a young girl that's not married and pregnant. And in case you're wondering, this was not a moment to be celebrated then. This was a moment to be exiled, possibly stoned, at bare minimum put aside, put away. That's what we're going to see. Joseph Joseph has to be talked out of that because he's a God-honoring man. The very first person we're talking about is in a bind. You're not married. You are married, but you're not married. And now you're pregnant. And guess what? Ain't going to be hiding the pregnancy. You got a little bit of time to make your peace and deal with what's going on. And this young little girl, you and I read, this, this teenager at the time, you and I read last week her response. Her response is faith-filled, but it doesn't make the road any easier. All right, Lord, this is impossible, God, but your will be done. What if the context of Christmas, what if if instead of looking at lights and shiny and setting it on a pedestal, what if you and I looked at it like an earthy time of year? We're celebrating it because the God of the universe operates the same way delivering the Messiah that he's going to operate delivering you and me from the issues we're in. He's going to operate by actually putting people in a bind so that he gets glory and they get blessing. It's like, man, that doesn't sound fun. It's not, but it's real. It's the only life you and I get to live. We ought to be thankful that we're living it with a God that understands all of it. And then even when he creates a plan, he creates one with this stuff in it. Birth of Jesus Christ came about this way after his mother Mary had been engaged To Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. What's the the flip side of that verse? He wanted to do it this way because he is a righteous man. If he didn't want to, he could have what? Made a stink. Wrecked her world. Wrecked her life. Brought her before the council and said, this is my wife-to-be, and she has cheated on me, stone her. She is not worthy. She's to be punished. So I love the idea that God puts Mary in a bind, but what's he do it with, with a good man? He puts her in a bind with somebody next to her that is helpful, not harmful. Friends, this is one of the areas of the church that you and I ought to be building here, because you're going to be in a bind It would be really nice if you found yourself in a bind when you looked around and there was an honorable person, there's an honorable person, there's an honorable person. I have help. Do you understand that's what the church is supposed to look like? And one day it's your turn and the next day it's mine. But yet every time we look around, there's an honorable person there to be helpful, to lead and guide us in the right direction. Like when we've caused the mess, they can look at us and say, repent, we're going to help you get through this, but you can't do it again. That's loving Or when you've not caused the issue and you look around and somebody comes along beside you and they put their hand on you and they pray with you and they love on you and they take care of you. It's nice to be living life with honorable people. 
God makes this plan. He puts Mary in a bind, but he does so by giving her a good man. At a bare minimum, he is kind. And boy, isn't that awesome in life, to be around somebody that's kind? I like ferocious too, but every once in a while, it's just a breath of fresh air to be next to somebody that is kind. Like, man, and that's what God does for Mary. Look at verse 20 with me. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what, she has, uh, what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What a beautiful name it is. Messiah, Christ going to name him Jesus. Why? Because he is going to, God is going to save his people from their sin. It's the derivative of Joshua, right? You see that name, you're getting very close, right? God delivers that Old Testament uh, prophet, that Old Testament leader, Joshua. People would hear that name and they would, they would be uh, taken back to the idea of the Jordan River and going through the promised land and all the enemies that were knocked down and slayed by God. I'm going to deliver them from their worst enemy. Not what is without, but what is within. See, their worst enemy is their sin. That's the one thing the nation of Israel could not figure out. That's the one reason why they would not bow the knee and the heart to Jesus as Messiah revealed, because they thought their worst enemy was Rome. They could not be dealt with the idea that their worst enemy was their own sin. Jesus comes to release them from their sin. They don't, they don't, they don't have to worry about that. We're, we're children of Abraham. We're fine. Deliver us from them. Deliver us from Rome. God is going to deliver them from their own sin. With a firm hand, God supplies the needs to fulfill his wild plans. Listen, friend, when God puts you in a bind, he's going to put you in a bind, and then he's going to fulfill it. He's going to give you what you need to get through it. When the way is hard and it looks like it's not going to work and it looks impossible and the Lord has called you to it, He is going to come through with what needs to happen next. He's not going to call you to something and then not supply you with what you need to finish it. You and I need to, we need to rest. We need to have faith in this idea. Mary is, is, is in a hard position. Joseph is in a hard position. And now in the midst of these things, instead of just letting them go, instead of looking at Mary and saying, you convince him. He loves you. He's a good man. You convince him. What happens? God steps in. He intervenes. Joseph is processing what to do next, what to do next for his life, what to do with this woman that has cheated on him. Do you think he actually believed her story? Come on. Like, what? How stupid do you think I am? Right? You think he actually believed that? And God says, okay, I got this. Mary, just chill, right? I got this. Gabriel, go talk to him. He's a fool, right? Go dial him back in. Man, aren't you glad the Lord operates with some of us guys like that? Go dial him back in before he does something stupid. He requires much, but he gives all he requires. He shows up in Joseph's dream, and he says, listen, this is legit. This is real. She is going to have the Messiah. And because you're a train wreck and not perfect, I couldn't use you, so I had to do myself. Holy Spirit comes upon her and creates Messiah. 
out of the what? What would Genesis 3 say? The seed of what? Seed of who? Woo, boy, that's good. That is so good. If, if, if you don't grant it that, you have no clue the implications of sin. If it was only Adam, we were in trouble. And yet God makes a way. From the seed of woman, I'm going to bring about Messiah. Look at verse 22 and 23 with me. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel read? God is with us. God with us. They will call him Emmanuel. Name him. going to name him Jesus. He's going to save the people from their sins. He's going to be called Emmanuel. Why? Because he is God with us, Prince of Peace. Man, these wonderful titles that he's going to carry, these titles that he's going to earn, these titles that he's going to display. You do understand, like, when you and I call him Jesus Christ, like Christ wasn't his last name, right? Right? Would have been Jesus, son of Joseph, would have been the way he would have been. But Jesus Christ, what is Christ? Christ is a title, anointed one, Messiah. Even when you and I speak his name, Jesus, Messiah. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Verses 22, 23, another seed is being brought to bear. The coming of Christ wasn't just a hope for the future. It was history's biggest, I told you so. Jesus says, it's going, to be, it's going to happen like this. The angel says, it's going to happen like this. You're going to call him this, and these things are going to go down so that it wasn't just about a future hope. It was also about proving the past. Like all of the, of the, the birth of Jesus is both ways. He has come. This is going to happen. Heaven is going to be different. Your relationship with God is going to be different. All of that is going forward. But in reverse, what is God doing? I told you so told you so. If you can trust me with that, you can trust me with that. If you can trust me with the past, if I saw it coming, the future coming, and I told you it was coming, you can trust me when I tell you the rest of the story. See, some of us today, that's the piece we need help with. You and I need help with the trust to wake up tomorrow and walk in the steps of godliness that the Lord requires. Why? Because the world would look at those things and say, that's silly. That's crazy. You shouldn't be living like that. You shouldn't be forgiven like that. You shouldn't be giving your time to that. You shouldn't be giving your money there. You shouldn't be that generous. You shouldn't be that forgiving. Like the world is going to look at those things and say, that doesn't make sense. You need to take. You need to fight back. You need to fight for your own. You need to demand certain things. Like that's the way the world pitches people to live. And you and I are countercultural. And in order to keep doing that, until we meet him, you're going to have to have some faith and some hope and some things that have come for God to look at you and say, I told you so. It's going to be okay. If you can trust me with the past, you can trust me with the future. If you and I can read the story of Christmas and see God work, then we can wake up tomorrow morning on a Monday in December and say, I'm going to be okay. This is hard, Lord. I don't see where this help is going to come from. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to navigate that road. I don't know what you want me to do with my life, but I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to honor you. I'm not going to lie, cheat, steal. I'm not going to violate my commitments because the enemy is enticing me in this area and that area. I'm going to live my life according to how you would have me live it. 
And when the world thinks I'm crazy, I'm going to look backward and say, but you were faithful then. And you were faithful to them. And you were faithful to them. You see, this is about more than just the story of what's going on. It's about more than just a future hope of what's to come. It's about looking backwards and saying, God, you were faithful. You will be faithful. You will not change. You will not violate your own uh, commitments. You will not violate your own character. Christmas reads, you see, the time, the place, the lineage, his name, his titles, even where he would run and where he would return from, all the details mattered to God. And he's pointing them out constantly. The Jewish writer of these Gospels is pointing them out so that people would be drawn back into Scripture and what it said and how important it was then. And so they would look back and say, man, that book told you it was coming. The prophet Isaiah told you it was coming. One, two, three, four, five, six times. Malachi told you it was coming. Moses told you it was coming. Joshua told you it was coming. Believe, believe, believe. The will of God would not rob Joseph of his blessing of a wife. You say, what do you mean? Well, Joseph is on verge of setting aside a wonderful person, a wonderful young lady. He's getting ready to sit her side. Why? Because her circumstances don't look like he would think it proper. And so God, through obedience, is not going to allow him to miss a blessing. Actually, obedience amplifies them and makes them better. It was well within the rights of Joseph to set her aside and go on about his business. But what would he have missed? What would he have missed? He would have missed being the stepfather of Jesus. He would have missed being the person that, as you and I look at the foster care system, we point out, man, even God knows what it's like to live like that. Jesus had a foster dad. He could have let that go and went on about his business and lived the rest of his life and been just fine. But because of his obedience, the blessing gets better. Friends, that is the hardest thing you and I will struggle with every day of the rest of our life is is if I obey what the Lord tells me to obey, will the blessings get better or worse? Lord, if I live like that, you're going to honor those relationships and you're going to bless them and you're going to make them better. You mean if I live and I love like Jesus, you're going to make my marriage better? You're going to make me a better father? You mean you're going to make me a better pastor? You mean you're going to make me a better fireman? You're going to make me all of these other things? If I do this, if I lean into this kind of life, you're going to expound all my blessings. You're going to amplify them. You're not going to take them from me. You're not going to make them worse. Like Joseph says yes, leans in, and becomes the father of God. Wow, what a story. God is not going to let him miss this wonderful blessing of marrying this young lady, even though her circumstances don't look right. He's going to intervene. He's going to supply what she needs. He's going to supply what Joseph needs. And he's going to create a story that is amazing. And Joseph is not being robbed of something. Because God has asked him to do a hard thing. Joseph is going to be blessed forevermore. You and I are going to meet him one day and be like, what was it like making sure Jesus didn't mash his hand with a hammer? Right? How much pressure was that? And then we're going to gently whisper, I'm glad it was you and not me. Look at chapter 2 with me. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The news of the Messiah was not just for the Jewish people. Friends, you and I sit here today, we're talking about Christmas, and we're doing it as Gentiles. Like this news was for us. And there were other Gentiles that were watching too, and you just wonder what the connection was between when God dispersed the Jewish people all over the world, that they were still reading the Scriptures, they were still honoring them, but they were doing so in Babylon, and they were doing so around the world. And you wonder what connection is created with these wise men that they had been taught for 600 years. The teachings of the Old Testament, the teachings of Scripture, And they were looking for someone to come, and they recognize it. So now they're going to show up to worship the king. Now, quick point of order here. How far are these two verses apart from each other? About what? 18 months? Two years? Right? So it's not baby Jesus in a manger. Wise men show up. It's baby Jesus is born. Star shows up. Right? Right? Wise men see from a foreign land, diagnose, recognize, and start that trek. So whatever that time period is, is, is the, the, the difference between chapter 1 and chapter 2. So this might be toddler Jesus, right? And they're going to worship that little wild thing. right? The baby would have been easy. Right, That toddler, I don't know if any of you all spent time with a two-year-old in a while, two-year-old little boy, good luck getting him to slow down long enough to hand him the gold. Right? Like, where's he at? I don't know. He's running over there. We'll gladly accept what you're bringing. Thank you. He is a wonderful child. He's wide open, though. Right? So we've got this time period here. They have seen, they have longed for, diagnosed, and went. What's the first act of worship? Not dropping the gold off, not the frankincense or the myrrh. Desiring to see. Seeking to honor. You see, you and I are going to wake up every morning and, and, and the, the baseline for the life we get to live looks just like that. We not have no gold one day to offer the Lord. He don't need it anyway. No frankincense, no myrrh. What do you got? Just a desire to see Him. Just a desire to be close to Him. And in that, that's where all worship starts. You may have other things as your life goes on to give. Some of you have time. You have time to give. Use it. Some of you have resources to give. Give them. Some of you have wisdom to pour out. Do it. There's going to come a day when the only thing you and I have laying on our back is waiting to see Him. Longing to see him. And even in that cry and in that moment, you and I are on the same level of desiring to worship the Lord. The wise men started there. They believed God's promises. They were looking for them. The first part of all worship is just to seek his presence. Look at verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Why is all of Jerusalem Why is all of Jerusalem upset right now? This goes back to my first point with you. 
things are going to get shaken up. Do you understand? You're looking for who? King of the Jews? Is this my throne? Is this my crown? Like you're looking at him. Oh, he was born? Okay. Sounds reasonable. Sounds uh, interesting. I'd like to be a part of this. Right? He is what? Churning. Like what's going on here? <laughs> Somebody's being born to take the throne? Okay. Why is, the, why is the whole city in turmoil? This is one of the things we've missed about salvation, you all. This is one of the things we've missed about pitching salvation to other people. When there is a king deposed and a new king put on the throne, it shakes up everything. You're looking for who? King of the Jews? Pretty sure that's me. That's my sign on the door, but whatever. I will entertain this. Let's hear what you got. And then the whole city's freaking out. Why? Because there's going to be tremendous change. If this is true, if we are laying off one king, a wicked, vile man, and putting on a new king, the Messiah to come, things are going to change. Not everybody's going to be happy. Do you understand? Not everybody's going to be happy. We have soft-souled this part of the Christian life to the people that were deposing the king, them, and putting him on there. We have soft-souled it to them, and then we have given them zero warning that there were going to be people outside of, of their uh, church that were not going to be happy with what was going on. That you would just upset their whole life. And then we wonder why after the first couple weeks their minds are, is blown with what is going on in their new life. What is happening right now? Like, man, you deposed a king and you put a new one on. And that messes with everything. Who's in charge? That's a big deal. Right? Whose will is ultimate? That's a big deal. And that's the struggle that happens in salvation. I am gone. He is on. Good news isn't for everyone. The message of the Messiah and his mission are offensive to many, even to this day. Friends, are you prepared for that? I have spent months around here grieving what, what we see coming in this country that we live in. And for so long, we have been at peace. We have been able to go along and get along. Uh, some of us have navigated a little too easy through the world as Christians. We've never really suffered anything for it. Listen to me very carefully. Do you understand the road ahead doesn't look like that? It's getting very dark, very fast. A lot of people in high, powerful leadership positions do not like biblical morality. And what do you think is going to happen when you and I are called to push against that? Now, are you ready? You say, no, I'm not. Then you need to start getting ready, and so do I. I do not like the thoughts of what I see coming, that to preach on marriage or to preach the way God has created people is going to land me in trouble. But guess what? The day is fast approaching. There's a baker in Colorado that's been tied up in lit uh, litigation now for over a decade because he wouldn't bake a cake. And then when he won, they brought a new cake for him to bake, and he wouldn't bake it. And so now he's back in the Supreme Court. You understand finances is where they start. And then they go into some other stuff. I actually saw a news story the other day that said those uh, that people were more likely to get in accidents if they weren't vaccinated. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. The reason why, they weren't pliable people. They were rule breakers. Now, listen. Listen to me. 
What if you get traction with insurance companies? Come on now. Being naive is not a Christian virtue. Be shrewd. Be loving. Harmless as a dove. Wise as a serpent. What happens if that gets traction? What happens if State Farm comes out tomorrow and says, hey, everybody unvaccinated, we're going to raise your rates 25%. Pretty strong study talking about how horrible of drivers you are. Now, we can counter it with, I saw on Fox News the other day, guess what state has five best drivers? West Virginia, baby. Huh? Driving them curvy roads, you all are good. One of the states with the five best drivers. Now, we got nothing else we can hang on to. The scenery is beautiful, but you all are good drivers. Right? So just hang your hat on that and love it. Listen to me. Not everyone, the good news is not good news to everybody. The way of living according to Scripture grinds against the flesh, secularism, any king that's not Jesus. So who is upset? Those that love the flesh, those that love secular thought, and kings that don't want Jesus. Rulers that don't want Jesus. And you and I are sitting there saying, he is king. And I'm going to believe in him. After I'm gone, it's going to be the only thing that matters. So it better be the only thing that matters before I'm gone. Verses 4 to 8. So he assembled all the chief priests, the scribes, and the people and asked, uh, asked them where the Christ would be born. Listen, uh, King Herod has more faith in Scripture than some of us do. Why is that? Because he wants to find an answer. He goes to the authorities. Where's the word say he's going to be born? That hurts, don't it? King Herod has more faith in Scripture and why would I say that? Because when you and I have a problem, it's the last place that we look. Where's he going to be born? Verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea. They told him, because this is what was written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them to uh, the exact time the star appeared. Why? He needs a time frame. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Just because someone's asking questions doesn't mean they're seeking the same answers or that they have the same heart that they're trying to seek the same answers. Be careful. Be careful. Right? How much you and I lay out, who we lay it out to. Not everybody is fellowship, some people are ministry. You understand the difference? Fellowship says I can share with you what I'm struggling with and you won't use it against me in five minutes or leverage it on Facebook so that you can destroy my life. And some of us aren't wise enough to know the difference. Young ones, listen. Not everybody circling your sphere has your best interest at heart. Pick some that have proven their character. Dive into that. Be a part of that relationship. Love them well. Fight for that relationship. Be a part of it. Be present. Quit worrying about all the other people you don't have access to. One of the craziest days of my life, one, one of the weirdest moments I've ever had in ministry come at Kings Island. We had taken a whole group of kids to Kings Island, to an amusement park. Amusement. Fun. That's kind of the equivalent, right? Like, this is a fun place to be. I walked in one of the buildings, and we had a couple of kids searching like crazy for a plug 
so that they could plug in their phone and see what was going on back home. And I was like, we are here in the middle of an amusement park and you're worried about what your buddy is doing or your girlfriend is doing sitting around the house doing nothing. Are we crazy? Be present. Be present. Build those relationships. When you get strong attachments to people, when you understand this person has my best interest at heart, you love that person. You build into that relationship. Because not everybody wants your blessing. Many want you cursed. What happens in the middle of, uh, of some of this stuff as he brings this secret, as Herod comes in, he's whispering around about this, he's making this plan, it's devious in nature. Secret devotion is dangerous devotion. Herod doesn't stand before everybody and say, we're going to worship the new king. He calls them in privately and says, I'd like to be a part of that. Be careful with people that are secretly devoted to Jesus. They will sell you out or they will cash him in in a heartbeat. If the people you're running around with aren't willing to, to name him or to be a part of that or be called a Christian when you're in the middle of hanging out in a crowd or whatever else, you be very careful how much credence you give to the idea they're actually Christian. Secret devotion is not devotion. Secret devotion is hedging your bets. Verses 9 to 11, we're getting ready to wrap up. <laughs> After hearing the king... They went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. The mighty and the powerful finally make their way to King Jesus. That is like they are crying in unison it's what's it called in music when you do that what is that harmony it's harmony it's harmony down there right oh man hey the mighty and the powerful finally make their way to jesus the wise men finally show up and you know what they weren't the first ones to be there that this is real life this is the way life operates who was there first the angels we're there. The shepherds were there. There's a couple very faithful people that are getting ready to die that God gives the opportunity to see baby Jesus, to see Messiah Jesus. They get there first. Mary and Joseph are just trying to live life. They're there in the middle of all the chaos. And about two years after, here come the wise men. Here come the smart ones, the learned ones, and they're dropping their gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The glory and the beauty of each one of those gifts you can read about, like gold is a kingly thing. It's a thing of power, right? Frankincense has the idea of his deity built into it because it's a priestly incense. Frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh was used in wrapping bodies after death, pointing to the sacrifice that Jesus would one day be for you and I. See, the wise men showed up and they brought amazing gifts but they all had a purpose the very next what happens is they're heading out to Egypt so now we see the extravagance of the gifts too is also useful because what do you think this carpenter and his new wife and their little son what do you think how do you think they're going to get to Egypt what do you think they're going to do until Herod is done slaughtering the children God has provided what they needed 
before they even knew they needed it. He shows up gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He hands them these glorious gifts for the Messiah Jesus who's running around like a little wild man, I guarantee it. Not even there to accept him. Mother and dad trying to process all of what's going on in this crazy story. Like, what is this? Who are these people? This is unbelievable. Jesus? Yes. He's Messiah. Here's gold for the king. Frankincense for the deity, for the priest. The one that will be the high priest between us and God. And myrrh as a picture of the sacrifice he will be as they wrap that body up and lay it in that tomb. See, even in the first moments of Jesus' life, it's already pointing ahead to what he is going to do, what he is going to achieve, and who he is going to be for me and you. As they come forward this morning to play, I am wrapping up this morning. Gifts for a king, but a very specific kind of king. Friends, here's what I'm asking you this morning. What are we giving? What gifts are we offering? What are you laying out right now that needs to be handed to King Jesus? Something that you and I need to trust him with to know that he is going to amplify it. He is not going to take it and rob us of it. And how about this one? Why don't you and I just start with the idea that we we serve an earthy king. He came here so that he could understand exactly what you are going through. And I don't, even know, I don't even need to know all of your stories right now. It does not matter. He does, and he understands. And there's nothing you can utter that your high priest doesn't look at you and say, I know, let me help you. Let me love you. Let me show you how to be healed through that. Let me show you how to love someone else through that. What are you and I offering today? Our life, the most earthy thing you got is just your life. Get up in the morning and lay it down. Enjoy this Christmas week as a servant not somebody begging for something new or wanting something new or getting diverted by every shiny new thing that comes about, right? Get up tomorrow morning and look like Jesus as a servant and enjoy this week knowing that you look like your king and you honor him by doing it. Stand with me this morning. If you need something, you come.